Welcome back to Metaphor Loop. This is episode two. It's been a few weeks since the last episode, uh, which is it's just how it's going to be. Um, <laughs> I played I played it for my grandma. I visited my grandma. I played episode one for her because she's always been telling me, like, you have such a good voice for radio, and you should make a radio show. And I was like, I'm not making a radio show. And then years later, I was like, I'll make a podcast, and I'll play it for my grandma. <laughs> and she listened, she listened to it, and she got a kick out of it. Um, this week... Uh, I'll play this one for my grandma next time I see her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hi, grandma. <laughs> her name is Mary. Uh, this one's for you, Mary. Uh, I'm very excited that uh, this week I'm joined by Vaidehi Joshi, who is a programmer in Baltimore. Um, yeah. Who? Uh, That's right. You can take out the question mark and replace it with an exclamation point. Baltimore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I'm very excited. I'm joined by Vaidi Joshi. He's a programmer in Baltimore. I think my question wasn't where, but but I was going to say from, and then I realized I wasn't sure about that. Vaidi's blog is is um, is very good. This is um, the reason I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of her blog. Oh, man. I think it's called... Okay, I have it open, actually. It's called Words and Code, which would probably be a good title for this very podcast uh, if it wasn't already taken. Um, for what feels like a long time, uh, she's been doing a, I don't know why I'm using she, you're right here. Uh, she's been doing a, uh, weekly blog post, which is, uh, very impressive. I've tried writing blog posts regularly and I, I can't, uh, it's too hard. It, <laughs> it takes time. And when I tried, they were not as, um, thoughtful cause it's hard to be thoughtful. Um, so uh, that's been going for a while, and it's weekly, and it's called Technical Tuesdays, and I believe it's going to run forever. Welcome, Vaidehi. Oh, my. I like that you think this is going to continue forever. <laughs> of, of course. I mean, it's got this momentum. It's, it's, it's a rolling ball. Those yeah. going stop. Yeah, I don't know. Those are things people don't tell you when you commit to doing something on a time basis. <laughs> it's hard, and also, why did I do this to myself? Those are my thoughts most Monday nights, some Tuesday mornings. Just just a word to the wise. You're doing them like last minute, like, okay, it's Technical Tuesday. I got to get technical. Here here it comes. Let's see if it's, if I'm inspired. Well, so like, I don't know. Usually I, so I have this like notebook that I have at work that I write down stuff that I'm like, I have no idea what that is. So I need to read more about it. So usually it's like, oh, crap. I have to write a blog post on Tuesday or Monday or whatever, and I don't know what I'm going to write about. So usually it's like I'll look through that book of things that I need, I know I need to learn about, and then, you know, whichever one kind of like strikes my fancy. Like, what was it this week? It was like uh, Action Mailer. Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is this seems like I feel in, like, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in an Action Mailer kind of mood. So that it's it's more like, what do I want to commit to like reading and writing and learning about for three or four hours, <laughs> which is why I'm kind of like, you know, what's what what intuitively do I feel drawn to, which is a very not very technical thing, is it? No, it's, it's very a strange feelings thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of feelings. I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's excellent. I, I'm surprised, actually. I, I think what I had assumed was that you would write about things that you'd learned recently. Uh, maybe like, oh, you know, recently I had to, for work or whatever, I had to add an email to a 
to a web app and then, okay, now I also have to write a blog post. I guess that's something I've learned recently. <laughs> like yeah. that, that sounds so much joyless. So joyless. <laughs> oh, I mean, sometimes it definitely is that, you know, it's like, well, I, I, this is what's fresh in my mind. So I'm going to write about this because I literally did it this week. But there's also like sometimes where you're like, this is a really tough thing to tackle. And I'm going to save it for a blog post when I'm like feeling particularly inspired to, you know, sit down and just kind of shovel through all the stuff I don't know and make myself learn it. Yeah, that's so like the motivation, you, like the fact that you have a book of things to learn, I think is interesting. I have I have a list of things that I that I want to learn. And a lot of them just stay on the list for a long time because it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, that's a big one. I'm going to let yeah. someone sit and stew a little bit in the list. And um, maybe like is having having this self-imposed obligation helps you ch- chip away at that list. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, part of it is definitely like it's self-imposed. And I'm like, well, I committed to doing this. So I guess I have to do it. But the other thing is I very publicly told people that I was going to do this. And I think it's way more that I told people I was going to do it. And now I'm like, oh, man, well, now I can't not do it. And that's just been going on for nine months. So at this point, I have no idea who reads my blog. <laughs> like, I really don't know. I mean, I see it sometimes, like, reference. And I'm like, oh, right. I forget that people have access to this. I'm just mostly doing it because I, like, gave myself this weekly homework assignment. <laughs> and it's, like, so, like, second nature that I'm like, sorry, guys, can't hang out on Monday. It's blog right. night. <laughs> for all you know, the people that you've, promised that you would do it don't even read it and have moved on with their lives and, of course of course uh, <laughs> but but they, you know you never know it could be uh, I, I was joking you, you are you are gonna take a well-deserved rest at some point and 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 maybe not do it uh as hardcore as you're doing now Is that right? yeah we'll see we'll see at the end of the year how i feel <laughs> i like i mostly i'm just kind of like I don't even think about getting through it. I'm just like, well, just worry about next week. Because I used to think about that, like back in like February and March. And I was like, oh my God, I still have like 48 more blog posts. <laughs> and that number was just so daunting that I was like, you know what? Just worry about next week. And somehow it's like September now. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be really sad when this ends. Ah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> uh, so, okay. The thing you said that I am that jumped out to me is like this idea of having just this idea of having a list of things that you, what did you say that you, that you want to learn or that you feel like you should learn or, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's a little bit of both. It's more like somebody, like if I'm pairing with a more senior developer and I'll see them write a piece of code or like create a class in a certain way. And I'll be like, so why did you do it like that? And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, separation of concerns or we want to use this service class or something. You know, they'll just mention something and I'll be like, hmm, that's, I didn't think to do that. So I should probably learn more about it. And I'll just like scribble it down. Or like, you know, it's like I'll see a method that I've never seen before. Like um, earlier this week, I was doing something with, um, I guess, image uh uploading and downloading and I ended up like kind of encountering temp files Mm. and then I learned that there's like four different methods that you can use on temp files and I was like first of all didn't don't I don't even know what lives in a temp file class second of all 
these methods seem kind of important, but I don't know about them. So I just like, in, if you like look at like the most recent page of my little book of things to learn, you just see like a bunch of like temp file methods that probably make no sense to anyone. But when I see them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is like a blog post probably in October. <laughs> <laughs> right. In like mid-October, this is going to bloom into a exactly. blog post. I, that's so elegant. It's going to bloom into a blog post. <laughs> It sounds much better. My process of writing blog posts is, is not like a flower blooming at all. <laughs> the, uh, so, so something gets added to the list, temp files gets added to the list, and then that, you know, that comes to the, to the top of the list. And then maybe you've, you've seen it in youth through that pairing situation, and you have an idea of what they're for and, and why, why or how to interact with them. And then... You know your posts seem very well researched. Um, what like, how how do you? This is maybe like a. This could be a small question or a big question, depending on if it's like. Um, the question is, how do you learn things? Uh, mm, yeah, that is that's a heck of a question. <laughs> the um, um, and like the even bigger version, I guess, is how, how does one learn things, uh, or like how, like this is, uh, okay, so. Before you answer, the um, the premise that I have is that uh, specifically for like teaching and writing about code, the premise I have is that analogies and figurative language are um, good, a good like a good way to explain things and and learn new things. Um, I, but I wonder, like by by the point that you're like, I, I wonder if you agree with that. And um, I feel like I've seen it in your blog posts. And I I wonder if that's... Um... But the question that I don't have the answer to at all, or have even have a premise about, is like... Um, there, there's like the learning part and then the explaining part. And I'm not sure if the figurative stuff fits into the learning part. Like, maybe that's more dry. I don't know. How do you learn things? Yeah. Um, well, I think I think for me it's like very multifaceted. Um, and I mean, the teaching thing does actually fit into that really well. Um, but yeah, to, okay. To answer your question, your <laughs> original question, um, before I get super sidetracked, I think like when it comes to learning things, like obviously there's like lots of different types of learners and like th this was something that I kind of encountered when I was a sixth grade teacher in like a past life um there's like you know visual learners and auditory learners and kinesthetic learners and I feel like Whoa. oh yeah that means that when they're learning things they can move things with their minds or what is that one? <laughs> uh, kinesthetic learning is uh learning by doing so like um when you have like kids in the classroom where you're like trying to explain something like uh, multiplication, um, some kids will understand it by you actually like drawing squares and being like, okay, like I want to take two of these apples four times. And some kids will get it through repetition and saying it, you know, again and again, which is auditory. Mm. Um, and then kinesthetic is like, you got to like, they're the ones that are like, give me the apples and let me actually, you know, physically create the concept of multiplication. Yes. Also, I would not recommend teaching multiplication with apples. Bad, bad example. So you <laughs> a lot of apples for that. <laughs> right, you um, got to stay in the top left corner of the multiplication table. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 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 
Um, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. I, you, I often, like, I haven't heard those terms. I'm not very aware of, like, education theory. Uh, unfortunately, I want to learn more about it. But um, in the world, I always hear about visual learners versus, I don't even know what the other one is. They're, like, people that say, I'm a visual learner. And other people say, like, I'm not a visual learner. <laughs> I don't, like, I feel like, like the, it's, like, probably a very rich and multifaceted th- theory that got totally, like, butchered by the world yeah I, I like i've never heard of the term kinesthetic learner but i feel like that's me for sure yeah yeah and i feel like so the thing is with like programming kinesthetic learning is such a big part of it right like and i i think that that was something i kind of encountered while at Flatiron too um because you know it's like one thing to read a book about programming and it's one thing to sit in a lecture and hear somebody you know talk through the, how they're you know writing a class or a method or something, um, and listening to it. But like, that is, I I just don't think that that's enough to no no, nobody I know that is a programmer has done solely that, you know, like you have to sit down and struggle through writing it on your own, which is like (laughs) the practical aspect of it. Right. I'm, I'm picturing like the extreme version of that type of learner who like reads one textbook is like, that was very interesting. And then like opens the second textbook and then like, eventually it's like, well, I guess I'll get started and <laughs> one, one job please. And uh, like, there's probably like few, maybe three people in the world. I don't know who are like, got it. But yeah, I totally agree. Everyone else is just like, but <laughs> yeah, uh, can I try doing it? Or I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I totally agree. I think things like really gel when you, do them yeah yeah totally and so like I never thought of myself as a kinesthetic learner and then when I started coding I was like nope the visual thing and the auditory thing is just not enough it's not going to cut it so like that's kind of to answer your question I learned by doing things on my own and like talking through problems and like you know opening up the console and being like well what's getting sent through and what's not and what am I missing and what happens if I change this little thing right here. And it kind of like, I mean, this is probably a really good thing that I feel this way, but it doesn't really feel like I'm learning. It kind of feels like I'm in a sandbox and I'm kind of playing around. And, you know, it, it, it's like, it feels like I'm building something with Legos or something where I'm like, oh, well, let's see what happens if I put this here. But I mean, I guess that's probably what learning is supposed to feel like all the time. And I just think it's probably a great you know, reflection or not so great reflection on the education system that we are so surprised when that happens. But that's, that's a whole other (laughs) podcast. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm happy to go in, you know, go down that avenue because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm picturing like, what's another subject? There's programming, uh, English, maybe. What, Mm -hmm. what is like the English equivalent of the console? Uh, like, all right, so we got to read this book. I, I guess, I guess just reading it and seeing what it makes you feel. Uh. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like close reading. Like, I don't know how much of that. I mean, I, I also was an English major. So this is like all I did for three years when I was in school. But like just taking like just a paragraph and like unpacking it. Like for everything that it could be possibly be. And interpreting just like whatever. A page. And being like, what does the author intend? Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Because like out of a 350-page book, it's amazing that you can sit down with, like, highlighters and unpack a single paragraph. But everything is just, like, you know, it's so dense, and you can make it as 
complex and as, you know, intertwined and interconnected as you want it to be. Or you can just sit and read the whole book and not think about it. Yeah, I often just plow through. I just try to get it done. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm such a slow reader. (laughs) It's kind of a disservice, but also kind of great. So interesting. I don't know if I, I don't know if I answered all your questions. Did I answer? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So if, if learning involves like trying things, uh, then explaining or writing about code can kind of also do that kind of just like some version of, of a technical blog post can be just like sharing. Here's what I tried and it did this. Isn't that interesting? And here's why that's interesting. Um, and then like, that's like maybe one end of, or one part of a spectrum. I don't know if it's at the end. Uh, and then like the other end, I, I think, like, I think that you've, you've done both. Um, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but, um, there are other times where it's like, all right, well, we have to explain this concept. This concept is kind of, um, weird or, or non-intuitive or abstract or something and analogies or, um, like stories almost can come into play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think that's, that's something that, um, I've seen a lot of really, really great teachers use. And that's something I used to use in my classroom when I was teaching. Um, and I don't know, there'll be times like I will just be explaining, you know, how a server works or, you know, a request response, uh, cycle to someone. And it's someone who doesn't have a technical background. Right. So like the best way for them to like, for, for you to explain it to them is to like link it to something that they do feel very comfortable with and that they can understand. And then it becomes way more approachable and easier to break down. So like, Analogies are so fundamental when it comes to both teaching and learning, I think. And I think it's like, I mean, think about all the analogies we learned when, you know, we were learning how to code like MVC. There's so many amazing analogies for MVC. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think that's an interesting example. Like I remember, so you mentioned Flatiron, Uh, both of us went through the Flatiron school and that was a big part of our our early coding education. I remember the metaphor that they used there was like a restaurant. And oh yeah, Chicken Kiev. <laughs> it might it might have like did the restaurant get a name eventually? I I, I don't know. It might have developed a little bit. Uh, what is what what is Chicken Kiev? Oh wait, maybe that's a more recent. <laughs> I just realized I just yelled at Chicken Kiev. No context. Um, well, so when we were learning MVC. I think so Max you were you were like two semesters before me or something right two Some, or three something like that yeah like at, probably like around a year before I went into the whole flat iron thing but um I remember for MVC um it was the it was like the analogy of a restaurant and you have like um somebody comes into the restaurant and they order a chicken Kiev so you have the chef who makes the chicken Kiev and then you have the waiter that like delivers the chicken Kiev and then you have the chicken Kiev itself and yes. how it's plated, you know? And I was like, man, this is, I, I mean, I just remember being really hungry for chicken Kiev <laughs> during that entire lecture. <laughs> I, and, and explain that to someone who isn't familiar with the MVC concept. They could say, all right, uh, I get it now. It's a restaurant. 
<laughs> or you know, or they can be like, "What are you talking about?" Or like, "What? What do you mean?" What? Uh, and you can say like, "Okay, the controller is the something. The waiter, I think. I don't know." Yeah. Um. And yeah, I I remember I remember like I I, I sometimes when when some someone explains something, it feels great, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, like that analogy." Uh, helped, and then other times it's it's not always helpful. I remember that one like making me so disoriented. The restaurant one in particular, and okay. feeling like I was farther away from understanding it. Just um, I don't know. Like, so the phrase that my friend Corey, who I talked to on the on the show last time, mm-hmm. used is like sometimes these things can uh, help you fit the idea in your head. I think is what he said, and. Um, I don't know. That makes me think like my head has some kind of like mouth and uh, I don't know. Maybe the the idea doesn't fit in my, it's too much. Um, it's like a specific shape. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going yeah. with this. No, no, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I, okay. So when you just said like fitting the idea into my head, the image that popped into my mind was like, you have puzzle pieces and you need the exact right puzzle piece to fit in, you know? Um, yeah. Like like for a jigsaw puzzle or whatever. Um, and like I think that's very much the case because we all have like different puzzle pieces and like you might explain MVC to me as a chicken Kiev restaurant and I might be like, what? I, I, I just now I'm thinking about chicken Kiev. This makes no sense to me. So that just means it's like not the right puzzle piece for me to understand it. And it's not that, you know, like there there is a analogy that you, you know, you or someone could come up with to make me understand MBC, but that's just not the one that I, you know, can identify with or that, you know, kind of clicks. But the minute that, you know, you have the analogy that works and you have that like, you know, light bulb moment, mm. which is like my favorite, one of my favorite things about programming. Um, and you're just like, oh, well, that makes so much sense. Well, that's why we use like a service object to do this thing. Or, oh, okay. The background, like the worker is running in the background and it's not running in line. And like, you know, you get those moments and that's kind of like the puzzle piece fitting in perfectly. And I've, I've asked questions, you know, of se- more senior developers um, about a concept like three times and they've given me like two or three different analogies and the first two don't work and the third one does work. And I'm, and I mean, it's like the concept hasn't changed. It's just I needed that specific analogy to fit into my mind, I guess. Yeah, I guess like a, gen- a generous teacher has many different, puzzle pieces yeah and, uh, can keep coming up with new ones and maybe can observe your particular puzzle board that's not what yeah. it's called and can you know transmogrify or whatever the the puzzle piece and that's like a great teacher someone who who and then the hard part i guess is because sometimes you have a room full of people who've all got different holes in their head and you've got to you know get the idea into as many of them as you can teaching scary that you basically just encapsulated what I feel about education. <laughs> like, that's how I used to feel all the time when I was teaching, because it's, like, exactly like what you said. You have kids that are going to learn in different ways, and you have, whatever, like, 45 minutes or an hour, and you're trying to make as many different puzzle pieces and make as many light bulbs go off as you can in that one hour. Mm. And really, it's not really one hour. It's, like, 60 minutes times you know, however many kids you have. So if you have, I mean, whatever, this is not about math, but you know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> like you, it's like you have only set amount of time, and you don't want to waste it. Um, you don't want to waste any of that precious time in the classroom. So you're you're exactly like trying to, you know, spit out as many different puzzle pieces as you as you can, hoping that you know as many of the kids will grasp what you're saying. And that's yeah, that's exactly like what makes teaching well. Many things make teaching hard, but that's like one of the more difficult things. The, the same kind of thing applies to writing. The, this is a question about your blog, Ian. Like, when you're writing a blog post, do you imagine a particular reader, uh, or like maybe more broadly, who are you writing for? Uh, how how do you calibrate the like the assumptions that you have to make about the reader to I don't know what 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 thought goes into that. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think I don't know if I'm writing for someone in particular. I feel like I'm just I don't know. I that's that's a really interesting question. If it's not something you thought about, I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it because um, you know. Like I, so this I'll, just for context, like this is something that I sometimes like see and see in myself. Like I'll start writing something, and then I'll realize, like, oh, I, well. Like I remember reading back on an old blog post where I was writing about JavaScript, and I kept comparing it to Ruby. So I was like making a hard assumption that the reader was like pretty much me, who was like mm-hmm. fairly familiar with Ruby and comfortable at least and um, needed everything to be compared to Ruby in order to understand it. And um, looking back on it, I'm like, the, like, the re, like the recipient of this has to be someone who is like pretty much me at that, on that day. I don't know. For any, like, like, like I was saying with teaching, if you, if you can see the student's face and just see like, oh, they're clearly not getting this. Let me backtrack and try something else. That's kind of really helpful to have that, that feedback. Um, even if it's just like a glazed, glazed expression or something. Um, but when you're writing, you, you don't have that at all. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Um, I don't know. When you, so when you were saying like who you're writing for, I just was thinking about this quote and I couldn't figure out who, I couldn't remember who said it, so I had to look it up. But apparently it was Kurt Vonnegut, which is not really surprising. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but he has this... Um, can I ask, was it like warm and pithy? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> and you can decide. It's very Kurt Vonnegut. Um, but he says, um, he has this great quote where he's like, uh, write, just to, write to please just one person. If you open a window and make love to the world, so to speak, your story will get pneumonia. <laughs> Maybe the second part of that doesn't apply as much. Huh. But I like the idea of writing to someone. Um, and I remember when I was like, I had heard an interview with, um, Elizabeth Gilbert for who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she had talked about like writing her book as a letter to someone. Um, and that's like, I think what makes her writing so great. And now I feel like now I'm just going to start talking about writing apparently. Um, <laughs> the door that I've opened. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, I think you're right that with writing, you don't get that immediate feedback loop that you do with teaching. Um, so I guess trying to teach through writing 
is yeah. a, a little bit complicated because you are making a lot of those assumptions and you're kind of hoping that like you're you're kind of making the assumption that you can't make in the classroom where in the classroom you can't assume that every single child uh, or student is on the same level and has the same you know like reading level or math level or whatever because you know classrooms vary and human beings are different and you know some students might not be at the point that you're assuming they will be at so that's one thing that they always tell you when you're teaching um but i think with writing it's like you are m- making a lot of assumptions about well i'm going to talk to you about you know i'm going to write about um uh like action mailer and i'm going to assume that you understand what a background job is when i you know use something like you know deliver later or whatever you're making a lot of assumptions and I don't know it's it's hard to reconcile that because on the one hand you can't like you can't really explain everything all at once that's not that's not a practical thing that's ever going to happen um but on the other hand you're like how many people am I excluding like somebody just started with rails a month ago is this going to help them like is it going to make a difference so it's kind of weird like if you if you actually think about who you're writing for or, you know, which I haven't really <laughs> thought about sure. until you asked me that, uh, which is a really good question. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I mean, I love those kinds of questions where I'm like, I've never thought about that, which makes me think I should, I should think more deeply about the things I put out into the world. Maybe if it was a more technical question, I'd, you know, I'd hope they would go on the list, but I don't know if it, <laughs> if it belongs on the list. Oh, it belongs on a different list, but okay. <laughs> that, that's a much longer list. <laughs> um, but I feel like I feel like if I'm writing for anyone, it's probably for like the version of myself before I learned that concept. Mm. So I think that's the only person I really can make any assumptions about. You know, like if like a month ago when I didn't understand this, if this blog post had existed this is like the blog post that I would have read and been like, oh, okay, I get it. Which is why I kind of, I guess, write the way I do. Like, you know, like very a little bit conversational. Um, and I kind of, I, I did notice this recently that I use we a lot. And like I address <laughs> the reader, which is an interesting thing. Like if you start doing like a, a critical analysis of my blog, <laughs> why are you using we? Why are you not saying you? Or why are you not saying I? That's um, so interesting. Right? <laughs> Um, I know. I feel like I'm, I'm redeeming the English major from within because I've kind of been lacking <laughs> ever since I got into programming. Um, now I'm doing some crazy, weird pronoun analysis or something. That's that's what I that's what I want from this show. <laughs> I like <laughs> I, I, I I said in the first one. This is a programming podcast for English minors. You you you're a, ma- a ma- English major. That's terrific. That's even better. I because uh, I do think like this is a. Um, like, you know, because of things like Flattering School, there are a lot more people like you and me who don't have, who who may have like English backgrounds or other backgrounds who are coming to programming. And I, I think the only reason that's even working is that we're finding things here that are Accessible. kind of tickling. Yeah, like kind of hitting those same buttons. And um, yeah. yeah, like yeah. so you, you have on, on the site uh, writer turned programmer which uh, made me think of 
uh, T-Pain's rapper turned singer. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, I don't know. I I don't I don't want to like force this like kind of precious theme that I have for the show. But like, I really do think that that like that I don't know. Do you? And and actually, this is sort of a thing I've been wondering about that I haven't thought about that much. But I wonder if some like if Ruby in particular is friendly toward like English people. Yes. Or like I strongly, strongly agree with that statement. <laughs> writerly people. Like I don't know if other languages would would have the same. Uh, I don't know that same like light bulb feeling. Yeah. Like, so have you thought that like. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think it's just way more approachable. It's like, it reads like English. It's so beautiful. It is so elegant. And like, I don't know if I would have, I would have gotten into programming if it hadn't been for Ruby, honestly, because it, it's like kind of what assuaded, you know, my fears of, like this is like completely different syntax and I don't know what's going on. I can't even understand what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, which is how I feel when I look at something like, you know, Swift, which I guess Swift compared to Objective-C is like beautiful, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, to any, anybody who is listening to this, I don't know anything about Swift, so don't, <laughs> don't listen to me. But um, I don't but, know. But, <laughs> but, it, but if you're not listening to this, <laughs> listen on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just think that it's, it is just so intuitive. Um, like I remember when we were first learning, you know, rails, I think like the first week of rails, uh, somebody had mentioned, like, if you think that this is a a method like that exists, it probably does. Mm. And that is very much the case. And that's not even so much rails as it is Ruby, like, like, having methods that return Boolean values with question marks at the end. Like that is such an intuitive idea, but not necessarily present in all programming languages, you know? Yeah, I really miss question mark methods when I'm writing JavaScript. Yeah. Yeah. JavaScript. I, I've been working with Ember for the past like six months. Um, oh. And so we end up, we use a lot of like, we use Rails primarily as an API and then Ember completely on the front end. And so, like, if I'll go, you know, a couple days doing Ember, and then I go back and have, like, a big feature to build in Rails, like, I always feel like when I go back into Ruby and Rails, it's like, oh, it's like coming home. (laughs) Everything is so comfortable and predictable, and it's just so nice. It's like putting a nice, you know, blanket on or something. But I don't know. I also, I I always hesitate to say that, you know, I'm a Rubyist because you never want to be too committed to a language. Because I don't know what's going to happen, you know, five or ten years from now. But yeah, like lang- language loyalty is a kind of interesting topic. Like, um, I yeah, I definitely think everything you're saying makes sense. Like, and I think the, the, all the things make it a good like entry gateway drug language. <laughs> and gateway then, language, I love that. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like once once the doors open, maybe you can step away from it and yeah. and you know get. Just do, you know, anything. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that too. Because you, you know, having you never want to like also limit yourself to one language. But I feel like that language is particular in particular is opening doors for people who wouldn't necessarily ever 
you know, get step into programming. And once you like, once you understand how hashes work, like understanding objects in JavaScript is not going to be difficult. You just need to understand it the, conceptually the first time, like the fundamentals and basics. So I feel like Ruby is so great for that. And and it might just be that that's the puzzle piece that fits for our heads. And I definitely think that. Um... Oh wow! Look at you with those metaphor. Oh man, that was such a good metaphor. Just brought it all back together. Yeah, that, that was that was a callback. But I, I definitely think that like, um, you know, there are other people who maybe weren't English minors and majors who maybe were like um, economics majors, and then found that like data analysis was interesting to them, and then found like Python or something fit their how they think and what feels intuitive to them. And then that, that would be their gateway. And then maybe the, maybe we'll all just end up on JavaScript. Maybe that's just the, the path we're all heading toward. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think that there is something about Ruby that, that makes it Englishy somehow, which is interesting because it's created by a Japanese guy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when, um, so I was lucky enough to meet Matt's, like oh, I'm so jealous. I remember I saw that on your Twitter. That's how how was it? It was amazing and like I I I was so excited cuz I actually got got to tell him like thank you for making Ruby, which is, you know, whatever. I'm sure every single person who meets <laughs> him says that. That's not anything, you know, amazing. But like we were talking about how I was a teacher before and um I was like I like I was like if you hadn't made Ruby, I don't think I would have ever gotten into programming and then we talked about how you know to make it accessible and I was asking him about like how he sits down to think about adding a new feature because um, he was talking about the next release of Ruby and he kind of talked about how he has like a team and he now works on designing the language not architecting it um, which is a really interesting idea because like I've never written a programming language I don't know what that feels like but he, he doesn't even do the writing so much now as like the thinking and designing of it Whoa. and so you know right like that's crazy to think about you know understanding <laughs> how things work to that level where you just kind of like think about it and you're like is this a thing that I want to include so I asked him um how do you go about deciding what you want to add and what makes sense to exist in that language and he was like, you know, I, it's kind of like a responsibility because there are so many people who use Ruby. So I think about what I would want to use and what would make me happy and what would benefit, you know, what would, you know, be beneficial to me if I was programming in Ruby as just like a Rubyist, which is like, I, I kind of thought about it after and I was like, man, that is so incredibly empathetic. Like to think about putting yourself in someone's shoes and being like, would this feature or this, you know, method existing bring happiness to me as a programmer, but not me as maths, me as just the Rubyist. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is very different, you know, when you think about Rails. Rails is very different. It's more like what DHH is in the mood for that day, you know? Interesting. Um, I really hope DHH is not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure if you, you know, ran into him at a conference, he'd say thanks too. And I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it inherits some of that spirit of like trying to make people happy, but like, it's probably less like beautiful about it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I don't know if I'll ever meet the guy. I've got a Ruby sticker on my laptop. That's 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 easy though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Look, I, yeah, I put the sticker. It's your thing. <laughs> you made this. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. He's really cool. I'm sure you will run into him if you go to any kind of Ruby event. I'm sure you will. It's it's such a small world, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, that's interesting. I I I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. So at some point, you you there. This is kind of like a pulling on a thread. I I think I heard earlier about um, something about fear and. Um, comfort so like like some things feel comfortable some things feel intuitive other things feel intimidating or um scary for whatever reason like even in, in this action mailer post they're talking about i think you opened by saying like like i didn't like i didn't want to do this i didn't want to uh send emails this <laughs> this seemed this seemed hard or whatever um i i definitely relate relate to that i have like um a really strong memory of before Flatiron being very scared of sequel and just mm-hmm. thinking that that was something that I would, that I would just never understand. And just like, I, you know, I was like reading online things about learning to code and I was learning things, but I was always like circling sequel and never approaching it. And just yeah. being like, no, no, that one's not for me. And like, I don't know, like, I, you know, and this is sort of related to the language design thing. Like, if you're going to add something new to Ruby, hopefully it won't feel that way. Hopefully it'll feel inviting and, uh, you know, not, not scary and, and whatever. And, and maybe again, like maybe this also goes back to this idea of, of puzzle pieces of like some things feel right. And other things are like, no, no, no. Stay away. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know. Like, so it might've been like a framing device for your blog post. Like, oh yeah, I was scared of it. And then I learned it. <laughs> um, yeah. I know, but do you know, do you know that feeling? No, totally. I do. And I feel like this is like an interesting thing. I should probably do at some point. I should like, I don't know, build a scraper or like, you know, figure out a way to analyze what words I use in my posts. Because I think I use the words afraid and fear and scared a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> I think, well, okay, when I say a lot, I don't really know how much, but I wouldn't be surprised if I use them a lot because like I kind of right in a little bit of stream of consciousness and a lot of the times I am kind of afraid of doing things because I'm like oh no I've never done this and I don't know if I can do it um and I think it's pretty important to talk about it being hard because I'm sure there's got to be somebody else out there who has never you know written made a mailer or doesn't know what it is um just like me and if you don't talk about like I also didn't know, but don't worry. By the end of this post, mm. I will, well, you and I will get through it together. We. Exactly. Yeah, tying it back to the we. Maybe that's why I use the word we. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, you know, pairing with somebody without actually being there in a way. Because it's, <laughs> so less, it, <laughs> well, it's less... Well, it's less um, intimidating if you know that you're not alone doing it. It's pretty important to talk about it, but I don't think very many blog posts do that. Most of them are kind of like, well, this is Action Mailer. This is how you add it. Here's a code snippet. Hope this helped. Peace. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think there probably are a lot of people who are 
learning or thinking about learning to code who are scared out of their minds. And yeah, I, yeah, I think seeing, seeing that must help. Yeah. And that's kind of like why, like when I write my posts, I have kind of developed a structure for them. And like the opening of every post is always like, it's like, this is the problem I encountered and how I found myself in that situation. And this is how I felt about it. But these are the things that, you know, that I did to solve it. And good job. Here's a cat shift or something. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, it's like a Joseph Campbell story arc. <laughs> you leave home not knowing Action Mailer and you come back changed. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty great. Maybe I need to update the tagline on my blog. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> the, the GIFs, yeah, the GIFs are always there. I, uh, I actually, I have like questions that I am loosely <laughs> referencing and one of them just says GIFs question mark. <laughs> um, care to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> They're fun and you know, <laughs> they make the whole process less stressful. And also it's kind of like, that's like the really fun part for me because I'm like, okay, how can I find four GIFs that relate to one another and something in this post? So that's like my fun game while writing a blog post. It's more like, it's more for me, but maybe, you know, no one ever, you know, suffered from having adorable kittens in their lives. So, or llamas. I started off just trying to do llamas, but it didn't, it didn't work out. There's not enough llama jokes out there. <laughs> unfortunately. Ran, ran out. I'm going to do some like original field research. <laughs> totally. I feel like that could totally be justified. <laughs> Yeah, you can, you can expense that, I think. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I just end up in Machu Picchu. <laughs> you guys, it's, it's you know, for technical Tuesdays, it's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that they, that they, are, that they are good. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's a, a great answer to please elaborate on GIF. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, okay, so the, the one thing that I feel like we can that I feel sort of, hmm. I'm out of questions, but the one, the one thing I want to circle back to a little bit and maybe talk about more is just this idea of like, um, going back to that big question, how do you learn? Or, or like the real question, I guess, is like, how does learning happen at all? Um, and part of that is, is just knowing like what to learn, and part of it is knowing how to learn it. And like, I, I don't know, like, how do you, um, so you have the list and the mm -hmm. list is growing and the list will never be, will never be empty. Uh, no, it's not going to, I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, like I have, so currently I haven't even added some things to the list that are lists unto themselves. Like, like monitoring uh, web applications or uh, performance stuff, um, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about this, and I don't know how to like, I don't know how to track these things or like really intense SQL queries that I'm like, I, I should learn more about how to write these on my own instead of being asking somebody else for help. Um, and those are like all sub lists of things that I could learn, and like, I haven't even written at all about Ember. And that's like the big thing I've been learning over the past six months. So that could be its own, you know, I could probably write a whole year's worth of <laughs> blog posts on that. 
Um, so, yeah, you're right. Like, that list is just, it's just going to keep going. And, I mean, that's, like, that is one of my favorite things about programming probably ever is that you get to be, like, a lifelong learner. And if you ever feel like your list is, you know, empty, it's, like, probably time for you to learn a new language or framework. And then you, <laughs> then you rectify that situation pretty fast. Sometimes it feels scary just the length of the list. Like it can, yeah. it can feel like, uh, what, 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 sh what should I learn next? I'm sure it's not like first in, first out or anything like that. Um, yeah. Like there are things yeah. that I'm embarrassed that I don't know, you know, like where I'm like, Oh God, I got to fix this. <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. Um, and then there's other things that, that for whatever reason just seem interesting and maybe you'll want to learn it just for the sake of it. Because that whole life lifelong learner uh, idea is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, it is kind of terrifying when you're like, "Oh, this list is never going to end." And I think that kind of like plays into the whole programmer aesthetic, where like you have a you boost your ego when that you know light bulb goes off, or you know when the puzzle piece fits in. But when like you fit in a p certain puzzle piece and you're like, well, that's just like one thing. I have all these other things and I'm never, ever going to be good enough. And I'm just going to be horrible and never learn all the things. And then you are self-loathing and self-deprecating, <laughs> which is probably in a way is probably crafted to be like that because it's like necessary to keep our egos in check with that self-loathing. Although I feel like we tend to go, you know, to one end of the spectrum or the other. <laughs> it's very easy to swing on that. <laughs> Well, you got to take the moment to to feel the warmth of the light bulb overhead, and yeah. then from there, I guess uh... plummet down into the dark depths of despair. Yeah, that's important too. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you should you shouldn't get comfortable, but you should take a moment. I I, I think to feel something. I agree. Yeah. Otherwise, how else are you going to convince yourself to go, you know, dive down again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I've definitely had, God, I, I don't know if, if you felt this way, but there are definitely days where I feel like a champion. And then there are other days where I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. Like, uh, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm describing a bipolar person. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not like, uh, I don't know, like, it, it's very fluctuating. It's very much like... Uh, uh, some days when I have one of those like great light bulb moments, I'm like, all right, yeah, I can do this. And then there's other days where it's like, you know, maybe just being stuck or whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe those are the days when you should like find something from the list that's like a low hanging fruit and just yeah. savor it. I think so. I think so. I think that's a really good way to get, well, one, to make yourself feel better and like have that, you know, a moment of victory. And yeah. two, you get through that list because you're like, well, I have to tackle something and to have a certain win today. Even small wins are good, you know? Like, I feel that way too, which is interesting because you've been doing this like probably, what, a year longer or so than I have. So in a way, it is comforting to know that that's still going to be around a year from now. <laughs> it's comforting. I mean, I don't know. It's a mix of comforting and also I'm a little bit distraught. <laughs> that never goes away. But, you know, at least at least I'll be used to it. Yeah. I know yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, I guess I'm only bringing it up because, like you were saying, talking about fear in the 
in the post can be a gift. Uh, and I don't know. So I think, yeah, I think uh, it's just a, like a, you know how like you like remember a feeling? I'm not remembering a specific day or anything. I'm like, oh God, yeah. There are days where I felt that feeling. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I thought I was good at this. What's happening? Yep. Um, oh yeah, totally. And yeah, I don't know. I wanted to share the feeling. Um, Maybe that's part of the reason I just write those things. And I'm like, guys, look, things were not going well. <laughs> I needed to write all this down and just put it out into the universe. Who knows who's identifying with it or not. But yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think talking about it is pretty important. And I think everybody does feel that. Like I know people who've been doing it for like 10, 15, 20 years who will be stuck on something and they have to just like get up and be like, I don't know. It's not working. Something's about that's not right, but I'll figure it out eventually. And I think when you're starting out, especially it's like, you think you're the only one who feels that way when that's yeah. totally not the case. And there's, there's some number of hurdles that you overcome after which you feel like I know how to overcome hurdles and I'll figure this out eventually. Yeah. Like, that, I'm thinking of a coworker uh, who, I, like, a long time ago, like, like I, near, near when I started working at the company, I was working with him and hit some kind of roadblock and just felt so stuck. And I was like, maybe we should start over. I don't know. Like, let's, like, I think I give up, uh, question mark. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically this idea of like, no, we'll figure it out. Like eventually, you know, we'll think about it until we find a way that, that, that makes sense. Then we'll, we'll clear the hurdle. And just like, no doubt at all. Like that, that was my like goal for a while was to just like get to that feeling of like, okay, yeah, no matter what, you know, what stumbling block comes before me, I don't necessarily know how to jump over everything, but like there's a very powerful feeling of like, inevitability or I don't mean this in like a braggy way like there's it's not that I can't solve anything <laughs> or can solve anything but um no, that, I, is, that is kind of like the best feeling when you're like okay I don't know how I'm going to do this but I know that I can do it yeah yeah I think you're right it definitely does take a certain I don't know if I want to say years of experience maybe just like a certain skill level to get to that point um because you've proven it to yourself again and again that like it will happen eventually and I think this kind of ties into, like, you have to be at a certain experience level to know when to sit down and, like, keep plowing through when you're, you know, at the precipice of something great versus when it is the most important thing you can do is get up, stop what you're doing, and, like, pull yourself away because that is also, like, equally important instead of struggling through something and getting frustrated and upset and being on the precipice of giving up. Um, and I feel like that's something that kind of shows how long you've been doing this and how, how comfortable you are with, I guess, the craft of coding. Because knowing when to get up and when to take a break, keeping in mind the fact that you will get it, you just need some space from it and distance. I think that's something that not a lot of more junior developers have you know, it takes time. It's like an acquired taste. So I don't know that I have it. I'm, I'm hoping I'm trying to at least go in that direction. I'm hoping it's like happening sometime soon. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think, um, uh, yeah, I don't think there's like a day when you wake up and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do it. Um, <laughs> it reminds me also of writing. Like, you know, I, I used to kind of sort of write things and they're, you know, writer's block is this concept. You never really hear about like coder's block. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might exist, you know, it might be like hit, hitting a block and it's not that you don't know what to write. It's that you're like, I here before me is some problem that I don't know how to solve. And, um, how do I get through it kind of thing? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it, that coder's block is definitely a thing. It's gotta be coder's block. I'm going to Google that later. <laughs> and if it's not a thing, it's what I'm renaming this podcast to. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, okay, so let, let's wrap it up. I have one, like, one request uh, to wrap, wrap this up is, um, will, you, will you recommend me anything? Like, what is your favorite writing about programming that you've read that was helpful to you or clarified something to you? Um, I, I, I could have warned you that I was going to ask this, but I just thought of it a moment ago. <laughs> Writing about programming. Well, um, I don't know. I think the only book... Okay, so there's two books that I can think of that I read when I was first starting out that just... They just struck a chord with me, and I don't know. I, I, I find myself coming back to them a lot. Um, and I own, like, a bunch of programming books, and most of them I won't open unless, you know, these two haven't quite done it for me. But... <laughs> The two that I really, really love are um, A Well-Grounded Rubius, and not just because Ada Lovelace is on the cover. Such a good book. Um, (laughs) I appreciate the cover, but I appreciate the book even more. Um, And also Ruby Under a Microscope. Um, I think Well-Grounded Rubius is by David Black, and then um, Ruby Under a Microscope is Pat Shaughnessy. And so th- these, these I haven't read. I own the Well-Grounded Rubius, so it is David Black, I just checked. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and I just pulled uh, it off the shelf. I haven't really spent too much time with it, um, but both those books are fairly um, specific. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're very, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. They're about Ruby, not about code. Yeah. That's interesting. So wh- what is it about them that... that that makes them your two favorite? I think it's, I mean, it's the most approachable, they're the most approachable books I've found um, about Ruby. Um, And it's just something about the way that they explain things. Um, Just, it's, it's a very easy read. And like when I say easy read, I don't mean like, like a beach read. Yeah, I was down with these and like, you know, it's not a beach read for sure. It's like, for me, it's, I have to sit down with it and I will read, you know, the same chapter or same section twice maybe. Um, but they've just been, I don't know, you could say that they're like, they are puzzle pieces for me. I don't know if they're puzzle pieces for everyone, um, but they just were way easier for me to grasp. But again, like very specific to, um, to Ruby. Like they didn't require that close reading you were talking about. There's some technical things that I think really do where you read it and it's like long, densely plotted sentences that um, are very 
intricate and build ideas very deliberately. And it's like, I'm going to read this three times and then then maybe I'll know what it said. Yeah. Well, so there's a, so since you were asking me about programming specifically, the book that I'm reading right now is kind of like that. Um, I don't know if you've read it. It's called Mindstorms. Mm -mm. Oh, you definitely should. I've had like three or four conversations with different people about this book. Um, And I, I have, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I finished it. I have not finished it. <laughs> it's a little bit, um, I'm also just kind of a slow reader. And he, he talks about so much in this book. Um, but basically, it was written by this guy. I'm going to mess up his name. Seymour Papert. Papert. I don't speak French. I don't know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I was going to guess. It sounds like a French, Frenchman. Yep. Um, but it's called Mindstorms, Children, Computers, and Powerful Ideas. Um, and it's really interesting because it was written in 1980. Um, and basically he talks about um, teaching kids computing and using analogies to yes. identify. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the way that I learned about this book is at work I was talking about um, my database or Oh my God, what am I saying? I think I was talking about like rows in a database or objects or something. And I was like, have you ever thought about like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm saying it in a very sad voice because I remember being very sad when I realized this. And I was like, have you ever thought about what happens to all the objects that we destroy that just like exist momentarily? Or like, have you ever thought about like how the database must feel? Or so- I said some <laughs> sentence like that. <laughs> it was the end. Of, it was like four thirty on a Friday. <laughs> no, I have not thought about that. <laughs> um, and um, somebody, so one of the one of my coworkers who works in iOS development, he was like, "You know what book you should read? You should read this book." And he, the reason he told me um, about this book in particular is because there's like a chapter where he talks about um, explaining, like teaching kids basic like. Program, programming skills by telling them that, you know, you're a turtle and how do you make the turtle go forward and how do you make the turtle go right and left and, like, how would you instruct it? Um, and it's kind of like empathizing with the, the turtle to try to understand it from its perspective and giving very specific instructions so that it can follow it, which is really just programming <laughs> with yeah. less cute animals. <laughs> the, uh, I, I am a turtle. Thank you. <laughs> I'll have to read that. Now I'm like, you're talking about objects and rows being destroyed. I'm trying to feel something for them. I, I feel a little twinge of feeling for them. I'm trying to like pull it out. Uh, like I would love Just to let it sit with you. You'll, you'll, you'll feel it. <laughs> I want to, I want to like read a story, maybe a poem about like the, objects because like that this is like one of, on, on my list of things i'm embarrassed to not really understand is like garbage collectors or whatever uh, i don't know i'm picturing it now as like a like a storm overhead that comes down and takes you away and collects you and then it's like a wide-eyed uh young turtle getting sucked into a storm ah, i i gotta work on it but um i would i would watch that uh cartoon yeah I think I'd be very sad. I just think about all of the objects that I have destroyed and created and destroyed and created and just feel so guilty. 
<laughs> maybe if there's such a thing as I don't know if there's a thing as like empathizing too much with your code, I might be suffering from it. <laughs> That's so interesting because you have you have to to because often often what's happening is like there's a I don't know some code is executed and any number of like branches of logic could be followed and you kind of need to have some feeling about what what's going to happen and you have to find a way to think about what you wrote that fits in your head and 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 make sense to you and um you kind of have to empathize with it to some extent if you're you know crying at work because of it <laughs> maybe that's one thing yeah it hasn't gotten to that point but you know i'll let you know if that happens <laughs> <laughs> please really difficult week <laughs> just break down <laughs> Well, th thank you. Um, I, I think it's time to wrap this up. I'm going to check out Mindstorms by, what, what was the name again? Seymour. Pepper. <laughs> I don't know. Some Seymour. Um, <laughs> Seymour Lego Mindstorms. Google it. I will. Find it. <laughs> um, so th And thank you for, for chatting. Um, oh, thank you so much for having me on. This is really fun. Good. Um, same for me. Uh, I, we're talking about your blog quite a lot. Um, do, uh, do you want to share where people can find you online? Yeah, totally. Uh, so I am on Twitter. Um, you can tweet at me at Vaidehi Joshi. I'm sure, uh, Max, you're going to like, you, you'll put a link, I'm sure. Um, and Probably. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> um, my blog is vaidehijoshi.github.io. You can also find it through my Twitter because I'll tweet about it every Tuesday mm. <laughs> very exhaustedly after staying up writing it and procrastinating way too much. Why Tuesday? Because it's alliterative? Oh, yeah. Like in retrospect, with all the late Mondays you've had, would you have picked a different day? Um, well, I didn't want to pick it on a Monday or a Friday. Mm. Um, so, and, and also, you know, alliteration. You just... You can't, you can't not do Technical Tuesday, and Technical Thursday doesn't sound as good. Yeah, I was going to ask, why not Technical thir thir Thursday? Yeah, yeah. That's why. <laughs> There's, yeah, I don't know. Tuesday, Tuesday just seemed to be the day, and now my Mondays are shot. It's just... <laughs> oh, and we're all grateful for it. Um... <laughs> I'm so glad people are reading. <laughs> when they cross I... the line Goodbye. at midnight. On the 4th of July Under a moonlit sky to the Texas side The river shined in their eyes And they clenched each other's hands Oh, they'd reached the promised land And they held their breath as the flashlights left